thinking of starting a podcast? Well, try Anchor. It's free, easy to use, and its creation tools allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or computer. It'll even take care of distribution for you with a single tap so you can be heard on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, Anchor is the only place you can publish video podcasts directly to Spotify. Man, you can even make money using Anchor in a couple of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. It's truly everything you need in one place to make a podcast. So make sure to go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy, Mac. Joining me today is my co-host, Corey Walsh of Fear the Sword. How you doing, Corey? Doing great. Fresh off a Cavs win in San Antonio. Nothing better than that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) For a team that doesn't actually get a whole lot of wins in San Antonio, I want to say they are three and three, now four and three, I believe. Uh, against San Antonio since the 2018-2019 season, also known as Colin Sexton's first season in the league. So it was always nice to pull out a victory like that. However, you know, before we get to the uh, <laughs> the just bucket, forget a bucket shot making from the, from the Spurs and the Cavs, a la DG and Jante Murray, let's talk a little... Cavs Utah action. That was the game prior in which the Cavs took on a very depleted Utah Jazz team, missing both Rudy Gay, Rudy Gobert, and also Hassan Whiteside, among others. And honestly, they just bullied their way to a 111 91 victory that featured a plethora of storylines. Um, Darius Garland earned the first triple, triple double of his career with a Ben Simmons like stat line of 11 points, 10 rebounds, 15 assists. He didn't shoot all that well, uh, so it was good that he was able to find other ways to be helpful, uh, going 3 of 11 from the field and just 1 of 8 from range. Um, Evan Mobley almost got a triple-double on that one, 15, 10, and 7. And Lamar Stevens scored a career-high 23 points and was physical all game long during that one. He was honestly just too much for them to handle. Lowry was awesome. He dropped 20, very impactful defensively, and K-Love bounced back with 16 off the bench. Give me your thoughts from that one. I was going to say, first off, how dare you not refer to that as the Lamar Stevens all-star game? I mean, the oh, guy yeah. was well, We got to start pushing that agenda now, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, you just got to get Lamar, at least into the Rising Stars game at this point. <laughs> I mean, the, the guy is just on a tear ever since that confidence boost in the Warriors game. Now he's just bullying teams he doesn't even like he there's like a whole portion of the game. I want to say it was like the start of the half is when Lamar Stevens was like, you know what? I am LeBron. <laughs> and he just decided to take over. And the offense honestly needed it at that point. We were kind of like just going back and forth with Utah. They would come back after we would create a huge deficit. And Lamar was really, in my opinion, the X factor in that game. Yeah, he he kind of scored on all three levels. We've seen him take a couple of three-point attempts and convert on those. He was excellent in the mid-range game. And to me, that's his best faucet in terms of offense, um, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. And we saw him be physical and drive to the basket, especially considering the fact that Utah was short, you know, their best 
bigs. <laughs> when you don't have Rudy Gobert and Hassan Whiteside out there, you got to attack the basket. Yeah, especially when Joe Ingles, their like spirit of their team, decides to just go full Ron Artest on Jared Allen in the first like four minutes. That was highly, highly, in my opinion. I don't watch a lot of Utah Jazz basketball. Uh, I'll admit that, but I'll say from what I have seen, that seems to be a little bit out of character for him. Uh, I think Joe Ingles is always a little like kind of like the alpha of that team in terms of like mentality, but I don't think he ever is mentality. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that Aussie attitude they, uh, I just don't, I wasn't expecting him to like get that chippy so early. It didn't even seem like there must've been stuff that we just weren't catching because it, it felt a little unnecessary even when they showed the replays. Yeah, I don't know if something was maybe said, something that, like you said, something that wasn't picked up, maybe Jared Allen or maybe the Cavs bench or something. But it, I don't know what it was, but it just seemed that the Cavs got under the Jazz skin all night. I mean, Tex seemed to be handed out left and right. They had four <laughs> that game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it was crazy. I don't know. It just, they they seem, they seem to have, um, maybe that was a bit of frustration boiling over uh, due to not having said players available but uh <laughs> it worked out in the Cavs favor so I cannot complain oh no thank thank you Joe Ingles you did us a favor <laughs> yeah yeah uh, I'll say this uh considering that they were missing Gobert and Gay and Whiteside um it's hard to really truly evaluate um you know a game like that we we know that we've seen the Cavs play some top level competition recently especially uh, against the Golden State Warriors, who are one of the best teams in the league, and they just they looked like they weren't ready. And then you know you got these these two to three uh, turnaround games against Utah and San Antonio, and versus Utah, you know they have two of their best players out, well three of them out, and the Cavs look to be you know miles ahead. So to me, this was a very hard game to evaluate but i will say it was a much much needed confidence booster uh to a few players in particular um like i said darius did not shoot very well at all in that game and it was clear that he was still kind of dealing with that back soreness whatever what have you but uh he he did find other ways to to be involved and that's the good thing about him um, you know, even when he's not having a good shooting night, he is so impactful in other areas of the game. And people can say what they will about his uh, defensive impact. I mean, it's already hard enough to be highly impactful defensively at his size, but I really think he's underrated as a defender. What do you think about that part of his game? I think along with his um, willingness to shoot, his defensive aggression has really been one of the main things he's like improved on from last season to this season. You see him very often trying to initiate contact with uh, his man in front of him instead of just kind of like admitting that, yeah, you know, I'm a small guy. I'll just let everyone go by because no one's going to critique him being like, oh, he's too small. Everyone loves to just say like Garland's not that athletic. He's too small to defend. But I think his athleticism is starting to get a little underrated because he can keep the guy in front of him pretty well. And it it also helps obviously that having Mobley and Allen back there is kind of like in the back of his mind. So he knows if his man goes past him, he's not going to get much farther than that. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, I know that I have been in the past critical of his athletic ability, uh, but I've had to take a step back and kind of just analyze what exactly athleticism means. And athleticism shows itself in numerous ways, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have Ky- guys like Kyrie who are not going to, like, hit you with, like, an extremely highlight real worthy dunk, uh, but he'll cross you out of your shoes. That's athleticism. Yeah, I was going to say, when athleticism, I think when people, especially coming with point guards, you always, like, you always associate, like, Ja Morant and Russell Westbrook types with athleticism. Yeah, like someone that, Derek Rose. Yeah. Yeah, like, someone that makes you question whether they're a human being in general or just an alien from a different planet. But Darius Garland has, like, like it's kind of like in the way that Kyrie is athletic because he he's just agile like he's a quick twitch muscle off the dribble type player like he'll beat you off the first step but he's not going to then turn it into a one hand yama over some center (laughs) at any point in his life and that's where i feel like there's a lot of um miscommunication in the league in terms of what defines athleticism for just point guards in general if dg for whatever reason ended up doing that i think i would lose my mind i mean I, he goes up and just jams on a seven footer which if he goes up if gobert was in that game and he jams on gobert i would have lost my mind man <laughs> I, I also would have lost i would have had to like think i was watching a memphis game probably because now that him and jaw have the same hair it, yeah, like i would yeah. think i'm like who am i watching right now exactly and uh, like i said um athleticism shows it's uh it's had in many many different ways and darius he just gets it done, you know, without having the flashy highlight reel dunks. And even when he's not able to convert from the field, he's able to provide in other ways. So I love that about his game. Um, we already talked about Lamar. I, I'm really digging what I'm seeing from him. Um, mm-hmm. Mobley, man, over these last two games, he's been very consistent as always. Um, we know that he is nowhere near a finished product on offense, but defensively, I continue to be impressed with his verticality. Um, mm-hmm. He challenged Donovan Mitchell and uh, Bogdan Novanovich, really everybody from up and down the roster uh, in that Utah game. And it just, people have got to learn. These opposing players have got to learn. Evan Mobley will never be an easy basket. It's just, it astounds me that people are still going at him. Uh, full-fledged. I know, pretty funny to see. Uh, I know. It's like they got, don't look at the block leaders in the NBA or something. <laughs> they just go like, exactly. Oh, who's this rookie? Huh, it doesn't really matter. He's a twig anyway. And then they, they find out when he reaches over their head, they just see this hand coming over the ball, and they're like, oh, oh shit, what's that? And then they find out. Let me ask you this question, because I, I – I posted this on Twitter a couple of weeks ago and people were kind of indifferent about it. We have people on both sides making good points. Is Evan Mobley the best rookie? And think about this in, in, in terms of the context I'm putting it in. Is Evan Mobley the best rookie drafted since LeBron? Like the best pick possibly that the Cavs could have made. We know Kyrie goes number one, but at number three where he selected, is he their best pick? And you can be honest. Uh, I would say he probably fits the Cavs the best that any high draft pick has been since LeBron. Cause like, you know, when Kyrie was picked, it was kind of like getting our second chance at stardom. And then, but Evan Mobley fits into this Cavs team so well. And it really helps, like it, it helps him as much as it helps the team to where he landed. I mean, there's some players that get 
picked by teams and they fit well with the team, but it necessarily isn't great for their development as a player. And they kind of like just stay in the role that they were drafted into. But Evan Mobley, you can tell like right now he's a great connective tissue type player offensively for the Cavs and he's a defensive stalwart. And then, you know, his offensive ceiling can easily like triple what it is now. Mm. And then defensively, he's already could, if he wasn't a rookie and you looked at his stats, he would probably make an all defensive team at this point. But because he's a rookie, obviously, it probably wouldn't happen. We, you know, that the both of us believe that he should be in that talk right now as a rookie. Yeah. I just know Uh, like the media would be like, you can't give it to a rookie. That's you such know. bullshit to me still. Yeah, I, I, I hate that, but uh, I get it. I understand it. Um, if if Jared Allen wasn't a part of this team, do you think Evan Mobley would be as impactful as he has been? Like, uh, if, to yeah. roll out the season, I, if you were starting Mobley at the center? Yeah, because I think his defensive IQ is really what is, like, it, it obviously benefits him greatly to have Jared Allen next to him. But, like, let's say it was Laurie Markin and him. I still think he would be a menace on, like, on the boards in general, always being a rim protector. I I don't see a way in which Evan Mobley would be viewed as a less good defender than he is now. I just think he also gets to reap the benefits of, the A, the Cavs having a super tall lineup and also being next to Jared Allen, who is sneakily becoming one of the elite defensive centers in the league. (laughs) Good segue. This is a good way to segue to my next question for you. I'm going to hit you with this one. Uh, You're probably not expecting it. Is Jared Allen the best Cavs big man since Big Z? Or is he the best (laughs) Cavs big man really since, I don't know, prior to the 2000s? I feel I don't know if you watched a whole lot of Cavs basketball prior to the 2000s. Uh, no, I can't say I haven't to there, but I, I did watch a little Big Z in my time and a little bit of Andy Verjao. You know, can't forget the legends. <laughs> but uh, See, I have no problem with with Andy. Did I love Andy? But Andy just, I think defensively he, he was healthy, a sieve. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, he had that second team all defense. I want to say during 2010. Uh, 2011 season, the season prior to LeBron leaving, I believe. Um, yeah. Just can never stay healthy. I think it's easy to fall in love with Jared Allen because of him as a person in general. I feel like he's such an easy guy to root for. And then you watch him on the court and it's like any little thing he does is like NBA hipster catnip where you're just like, he's always in the right positions. He just does like not enough on both sides to where he doesn't go outside of his comfort zone too often. And I feel like his offensive game is really getting underrated because I think people think of him as a rim runner. I know Jackson Frank uh, just wrote an article <laughs> about Jared Allen's offensive game growing. And I really feel mm-hmm. like he's developed into such a good, in a, in a way that I feel like Evan Mobley has kind of had an impact on the way that Jared Allen kind of looks at passing. I think his passing is so underrated these days. There's so many times off of pick and rolls where or dribble handoffs that he'll get the ball and just connect into the corner to someone else. And it's it's just been awesome to watch Jared Allen over the past now. I guess I we're gonna call it like a whole season between last season and this season as a Cavalier, yeah. because he's a completely different player than he was when he arrived. Yeah, I mean, I I'd be kidding you if I thought that I would have seen this type of offensive explosion and just really all around game growth from him. Um, I'll say this. I, I was very the one part of his game that I had been critical of coming into the season was the lack of perimeter shooting. 
But playing like this on a team of this uh, structure and build, I just I don't even know if that's even a long term concern with him just because you have other guys out there who can space the floor. Um, the Cavs are in a very unique position right now to be rolling out three seven footers, uh, two of which um, can space the floor and one of which is is pretty good shooter. Um, if you were to look at his statistics from last season in Chicago, you would think Lowry is among one of the best shooting big men. Uh, at least from three-point range in the league. Um, you know, you're not seeing that this year. He's quite pedestrian, but he does space the floor. And then you look at Evan Mobley, like I said, who who is not a finished product, but has that element in his game. He's capable of it. Um, you know, you know, DG, he can fire away. And whoever they roll out at the two-guard on a nightly basis, uh, lately it's been Lamar. But, uh, you know, you have a plethora of guys who can step in there and at least knock down the two. Uh, may not be consistently uh, knocked down three, but it may not be consistent. I uh, just, I think Jared Allen just, it's not a big of a concern as it had been to me with everything else that he's provides, you know, defensively he's up there with Mobley in terms of verticality and challenging shots, the passing that you alluded to, his vision is underrated and mm-hmm. we know that he can dominate in the post to put into a good position. Just, I feel like, his his IQ on the court, especially in terms of, you know, being within the pick and the roll, especially when Darius is initiating, it just it's it's magic, man. It's magical to watch out there. And I think people are underrating just how good of a player he is. Um, as it stands at this point in time, Jared Allen does have the best chance of the two to make the all star game. Mm. Um, and I'm happy about that. But I was hoping for both. <laughs> Yeah, we're a little selfish um, like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, after having seasons, three to four seasons without people in general making it, and, you know, Colin made a little bit of noise last season, but, I mean, we're, we're all-star starved, and we're having it in our city, right? Yeah, I mean, you got to hope that one time, like, down the road, they just allow each team that hosts it to have one all-star. But then no, I say no. that, and then it's going to be in <laughs> Detroit, and it's going to be just, like, Cade Cunningham or... uh beef stew <laughs> as they're like nominal all-star <laughs> beef stew. yeah i uh i don't know about that one, but certainly well with the way yeah, that I'm, fan I'm, votes go apparently you just have to like breathe in order to get a vote because <laughs> russell westbrook is someone man. that top 10 <laughs> I, I don't get it. i mean d rose Kyrie didn't play a game till recently and was up there I, it's it's all popularity i get it and then um, there's zaza a few years ago that left me I, yeah that was a big one <laughs> I was kind of hoping that would work. Yep. (laughs) I I mean, I was too. Well, like he, Zaza took a lot of flack for that Kawhi, uh, Kawhi stunt that a lot of people are, will probably never forget. Uh, Definitely uh, the Spurs. (laughs) (laughs) Precisely. Yeah. That, that really broke them up. If you ask me. Mm, Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, But getting back to topic, you know, we talked about the jazz game. Now let's talk about tonight's, Really just great game, man. It's just a great game to watch. Spurs, you never quite know what to expect from them. Um, their record is not indicative at all of how good they are. Um, if, if you were to assume that they were as good as their record, you would be sadly mistaken, uh, especially considering the fact that they have guys out there like Jante Murray dropped in 30 points on 14 and 23 shooting. You're just not going to stop that guy. So what do you do? Well, you make the others around him step up, and uh, 
<laughs> he didn't get a whole lot of support um, in, within the starting lineup, at least. We, we saw Keldon Johnson. Keldon Johnson was the second leading scorer for them tonight with 18, but not much else. I don't know how you start a game and don't score any points. Uh, Jakob Pertl, <laughs> did you see that? <laughs> yeah, poor Jakob Pertl. He's always just the butt of everyone's jokes, and he's actually a very solid player. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, I don't think that he is a bad player, but uh, zero points, 12 rebounds. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. Especially it's a, <laughs> Tony Snell honorary mention. You know, <laughs> Tony Snell, what a player! Uh, and then you look at the Cleveland side of things. Darius Garland just continuing to play at All Star level since that uh, meltdown in Golden State. Thirty two points, eight assists on eleven twenty five from the field, four of eight from deep, and six from six from the free throw line. Some critical free throws down the stretch. What were your major takeaways from this one? Uh, the, the play that's going to stay in my mind probably for the rest of the season, I tweeted I wished it was turned into an NFT <laughs> so I could buy it, was uh, the Darius bullet pass off of the quick pass. I don't know who, I don't remember who passed it to him, and then he lasered it to Jetty in like through traffic, where Jetty, of course, missed a wide open layup going ahead of steam. And then uh, Lori just dunked on the two San Antonio defenders, Darius was just like in his own world today. And it was just, I was, I was just happy to be alive at the same time that Darius Garland decided to explode on San Antonio for the second time. What is seasons. it about the Spurs that he loves to, I mean, what is it? I, I don't know. I don't know. Is it some sort of connection he has out there or something? I don't know, but he loves, seems like he's always playing a good game against them. Um, I, I just out. loved how he looked. He looked so comfortable. Like I felt like the whole game, it was operating at his pace. And uh, you kind of, he also got some good backup minutes from Goodwin to give him relief. But like, I, I also hit me in these past two games. We haven't had Rondo and you can tell Gary yeah. Darius at times is definitely fatigued at certain points in the game and really needed his rest. Cause there was a sequence around the third quarter where I kind of felt like Darius was just kind of, I thought he was going to be gassed. I thought he was going to be jelly legged. His like game was going to pretty much go down from there. And I was poorly mistaken as he decided to just erupt in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh, I want to say he played 37 minutes tonight and without having Rondo available, um, that that puts a lot of extra strain on him because he's he's constantly having to facilitate. You really don't have anybody else out there outside of Goodwin. Um, mm. Cavs fans have kind of soured on Kevin Pangos, so uh. <laughs> uh, so we haven't seen him uh, up here, you know, at least tonight. Uh, and and like you alluded to, Brandon Goodwin, man, I, I continue to be impressed by what he brings to the table in such a small role. Um, only 11 minutes tonight, but in those 11 minutes, seven points, five assists, three of five from the field. And we actually saw him in a three point shot. I was going to say, I thought this kid wasn't a shooter. And in back to back games, he's hit threes. <laughs> yeah. I think I it's mean, like the Rajon Rondo effect. Rondo didn't cut. The Cavs must have some magical pixie dust on these point guards that can't shoot. <laughs> Rubio to start his Cavs career <laughs> was scorching. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is that they're doing. I don't. I think for them, for Goodwin especially, I think it's about confidence because it's not like he's taking a super high amount of attempts. Period. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's really just trying to get other guys involved out there. I think he's trying to facilitate, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, 
especially when you don't have Rondo available. I just, I don't want Goodwin to try and do too much. Uh, you're already, you've already gotten your spot for the rest of the season. Just, just play within the confines of the game. And I think he did that tonight in a small role, but you do have to wonder, you know, in, in situations like these, how do you get Darius Garland rest? Um, especially when you have such a back and forth game like this, it's just, that that's the one thing that scares me. Like we know at this point in the season, uh, the Cavs being who they are, that they're probably, I want to say they're a lot to make the playoffs because anything can happen, but they're looking like they're, as long as they tread water, they look like they're going to be in the field and you don't want to run these guys into the ground come that, uh, that part of the season. Cause I think the one thing that keep in mind is that, and I think I heard Bill, Bill Simmons say this, a few days ago, it might've been earlier, but when you get to the playoffs, it's a different level of physicality. It's a different level of physical fitness that you have to have that, that is different from the regular season and you get exposed. Mm. It's, it's just one of those things, especially being young and inexperienced. I don't want these guys running to the ground. You look at Evan Mobley, he played 39 tonight and that's becoming a common theme uh for the Cavs he he actually led the Cavs in minutes I I really don't I'm starting to dislike that I don't know about you but we got to find ways to get some of these guys rest man yeah that's where it kind of like I agree with you 100 percent. and then I'm like well if I agree with like that the Cavs need to give these guys like breaks it means that we probably need to bring in more firepower which also is not That's what I'm, I'm really trying to do. Uh, yeah, it's like in order to get one, you because like yes, I want Dean Wade to also get some minutes at the same time, but I also don't want us to be like, all right, well, we're not going to play Mobley as much, but here comes a lot more Dean Wade, <laughs> and I'm like, well, that isn't exactly going to fix the Mobley hole that he'll leave behind. But at the same time, like I, I think this game was interesting because it really pointed out to me that when Darius Garland wasn't on that floor, the offense was like dragging like a ton. Like, yes, Goodwin came in did, like he did a good job. I'm not saying he didn't, but like offensively, like if there's one player that's going to like determine if this offense succeeds or not. It's Garland. And we don't really have a, like we don't have that Colin Sexton type scorer just waiting to also be hungry to score. And that's where the trade deadline would be really important for this team. And that's why I'm kind of becoming a little more open, especially after seeing this cam reddish Knicks deal where it, all you had to do was give up like a food stamp and you get cam that reddish for ridiculous. free. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I was, I'm like, I, I never really, I didn't pine for trading for uh reddish in the first place, but after seeing what he was able to be acquired for, I was just like, God damn, Cleveland had enough to get that done. <laughs> I know. I was like, what what would we have to even give up like on our roster? You can have Kevin Pangos if you want, because I can tell you he'll contribute as much as what you just got for Kevin Knox. No yeah, offense, I, Kevin Knox. <laughs> yeah, similar. I saw you <laughs> responded to that. Yeah, I, I felt bad leaving him out, so I included him <laughs> in that tweet. But uh, yeah, just the simple fact that they were able to get him so at least in my opinion and probably yours that he came cheap. Um, I think the caps really could have stepped in there, but they do have other options. Um, Getting back to the original point, I do think that uh, they're kind of in a rock at a hard place with that. If you're going to, 
kind of look to get some of these guys rest. You have to put players out there that you can trust. And I, I don't know if the Cavs trust Dean Wade like solely in crunch time right now or to, to hold the offense up. And I, and I like Dean Wade, and you could throw a couple yeah. other guys in there. But I just – the Cavs are not very flush with guys who can create their own shot. They're not really – they don't have the – the fallback of having a Colin Sexton, like you alluded to. And now obviously they don't have Ricky Rubio, who his offense was very underrated. Um, You know, when you think of Ricky Rubio, you don't really think of buckets. You think of his ability to play make, but he was unique in the way that he was able to, it was ugly. And we've talked about this before. (laughs) It was (laughs) ugly, but he was able to score. Um to a degree we've seen that from Rajon Rondo too but uh, you, you just don't know what you're going to get from Brandon Goodwin on any given night in that regard so in a game like this I guess you really have no choice unless you go out there and get firepower like you said mm-hmm. but now I'm just thinking you know what what can be done because there's I don't know if this is your estimation but to me there is somewhat of a ceiling um, for this Cavs team once they get to the playoffs without a guy like that. Yeah, I think um, the Cavs team is super matchup dependent in the postseason. If we like with the expectation that you would win a first round game, and I, I feel like that's the ceiling for this Cavs team, honestly, like that would be the definition of like, it's already a successful season if we make the postseason, given what the expectations were when the season started. But now like that we're halfway through the season and we look as promising as we do winning a first round playoff series would be just like icing on the cake. And that's all I would like. That is my maximum level of expectation. And in order for that to happen without any trades, we would have to like cross our fingers that we land like as the four seed and match up with like a beaten down Philadelphia team or so it's like a Miami team somewhere along those lines. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Anything can happen when you get into the postseason, but I wholeheartedly agree. Um, the, ma- the, the playoffs is already about matchups a lot of the time. And for Cleveland, that is seems to be like exacerbated, especially when you don't have a, a lot of guys who can create their own shots. Um, you know, we talked about Jared Allen, you know, improving in, in a lot of different ways. We know Mobley isn't a finished product, but we know that they rely so heavily on Darius and other and the other guards to kind of set the bigs up uh, for plays. And we saw the Cavs bread and butter get exposed, you know, when they don't have that, uh, especially against Golden State. We mm-hmm. saw what teams could do. It's a blueprint. We, we, we saw what can be done if you can stop their bread and butter. Yeah. So that that is one of those things that is going to probably be a recurring element when they face better teams, especially uh, when you get to the postseason and teams have a little bit more time to plan for you and analyze certain things. So, you know, I'm I truly consider the season a success already just based upon what I've seen. But, um, you know, expectations have to be fluid. Uh, for a team like this, especially when you're considering that they look ahead of schedule. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I kind of agree with you. Uh, a first-round playoff series win, that would be – damn, that would be nice. Um, 
I can't tell you the last, I think it was 97, 98, the last time they won a playoff series without LeBron. I was born that year. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, it insane. Uh, and, and for them to be able to be in position to do that, eventually that would be, that would be awesome. Um, back to the game itself. You, you take a look up and down this roster, the Cavs bench got outscored 42 to 34 um, by the Spurs. And you saw one of, one of my favorite players uh, from Ohio state, Kata Bates D out. <laughs> Love that guy. Uh, give you consistent minutes. Uh, Lonnie Walker, Brent Forbes, Londell, man. These, a lot of these guys are people that casual NBA fans have probably never heard of. Yeah. But that's, that's just the San Antonio way. They find ways to get contributions from all over. But that bench, man, outside of Jetty tonight, he just didn't get a whole lot. So that's a, that's another area. And I know that'll – I, honestly, I don't know if that'll improve too much throughout the season. You, they're, they're down Sexton. They're down Rubio. <laughs> it's kind of like they have to be looking at moves. And a lot of people have been bringing this point to me like, well – if you're trading Rubio, you're not really trading Rubio. You're trading his expiring salary, and he could just re-sign next season if he really wanted to. I get that. <laughs> it just from a from a personal standpoint, it's mm-hmm. I just feel like that's just wrong. I don't know. That's just me. No, I um I tweeted out being like I wanted to get people's opinions. Like if like trading Rubio certainly means he's not coming back. Right. <laughs> and I got crickets to that, which kind of just told me everything I needed he, to know. <laughs> you're right. I mean, if he is traded, I can guarantee you Rubio opts to sign for a quote unquote, like a guaranteed contender next season. He accepts yeah. less money to play for a contender. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. Especially when that article came out about how he wants to retire before his like kid turns like six and his kids two now, like that means he has like four years left. You're telling me he's going to be like, you know what? I'll stay in Cleveland, even though they traded me away. And uh, maybe if I'm lucky, we'll hit the finals before year three. <laughs> maybe if LeBron came home, <laughs> but yeah, maybe. I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't see that happening if you trade him. Now that like going to what you're referring to about like our lack of death, like this Cavs team wasn't that deep before the injury, all the injuries occurred. We like, cause you can't say that we thought Lamar Stevens was going to turn into this player. We didn't think Jetty Osmond was going to turn in back into like this, like a pair, like absolute flamethrower off the bench. We thought a lot, we just thought this team was going to be kind of like, like six, seven deep. And then we, whatever we got from the rest of the bench, we would, we would just get, and be happy with and now we're down two of our best players overall with uh sexton and rubio and we're just lucky that we're getting really good contributions from players that had we didn't have the expectations for but now like depth can only be acquired through trade and it's nice that we have these like niche role type players but if we want to like make real noise it, we would have to make some moves for like NBA serviceable contributors off the bench. Yeah. Um, you know, a la a, a Terrence Ross, if you can get him who, I, I don't know. You, I really don't know what his fit would be with Cleveland in terms of like starting lineup or not. I think obviously you'd probably bring him off the bench. Cause I think they like what they've gotten from Lowry uh, from marketing so far. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people 
still love the idea of Karis Levert. Um, I'm not in love with Levert, but I do like him as a better option over like a 33-year-old Gordon, <laughs> like we talked yeah. <laughs> about last time. And these names are going to continue to be, you know, thrown out there until the trade deadline. So we'll probably continue to talk about it. But I just I'm in a place right now where I'm like, I don't really want them to make a move at all if they if it's not something that's going to make an immediate impact and works out both in the short and long term. But I do recognize the fact that, you know, Cavs fans are hungry for 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 a move period and that they want something that will possibly contribute towards winning a playoff series this year. And so I think that we we just need to kind of temper our expectations and stand pat. But, you know, we know that that's, that's not our, uh, our best attribute. <laughs> yeah. Band. Dan Gilbert it, really trained us well. <laughs> yeah. It, it's funny that way. Um, good to pick up back to back wins, especially when you consider the fact that Cleveland will have to face Brooklyn on Monday. I do not love that. <laughs> Um, you got Yay. OKC tomorrow, which, you know, I, I continue and I will continue to echo this. You, you have to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. And Oklahoma City is in that um, in that area right there. I mean, we know that they feature one of the better guards in the league and SGA. But I just... <sighs> Games like this scare me. So I, it seems like a trap game. Sounds like I was trapped being ripped all over it. Lotto, what are your thoughts on that? What do they need to do to beat OKC? Well, first off, it starts off with locking down Poku because that guy's wild, man. <laughs> and uh, and apparently you have to calm down the hipster Josh Giddy storm that's been swirling. I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Josh yeah. Giddy is like and NBA Twitter catnip. I know I feel like I said it like two like episodes ago, but I feel like since I said it, I've been seeing it more and more on Twitter and I kind of said it as a joke at first. And now I'm like, what, what is happening? He's a it's trendy just, player to talk about. That's what it is. I mean, it's just like, he's so he abstract. Mold. <laughs> yeah. It, he fits the mold of Twitter fodder. I feel like he's like, I don't know if you've watched Seinfeld, but there was like an episode where there's like this 3d painting that this guy can't understand and he just keeps squinting at it and everyone's like, Oh, it's a spaceship or something. And that like, they just, it's like, I just don't understand what I'm looking at, but it's amazing. And that's what everyone seems to say about Josh Giddy. So, so every time I feel like I think of Josh Giddy, I think of the 3d painting. This kid is just so weird. I, I, <laughs> I've never heard. I have never heard that type of comparison before, uh, before but I'm all for it. <laughs> hey, you know, I, I feel like no one's going to like the reference, but I'll just leave it out there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I, I agree with you. This like I feel confident, though, that the Cavs haven't really fallen for any of these trap games. I guess the biggest trap game I can remember recently was the Pelicans game. But that that game was just so weird. And that's what it really takes for these like trap games to really fall on our face. But we haven't really been like completely knocked out in a trap game. It's always like Cavs usually play close. So I usually trust our guys to the very end. Yeah. I mean, they've been playing locked in focused basketball and the trap uh, game losses usually come when a guy or when a team is not taking the opposition too seriously. Um, and that mm -hmm. just, that doesn't seem to be like the, the mindset of what JB has instilled in these guys, but still it's, 
it's a little bit worrisome to me. It just, it has that feeling. I'm hoping for a Cavs win to keep it going three in a row, especially heading into Brooklyn, but we'll have to see, man. I, uh, I'm hoping for the best. I, I just don't know if you're going to be able to shut down Shea. That's just, he's another one of these DeJounte Murray like guys where you just kind of, if you have to, you let him get what he gets and force the others to stop, uh, to, to step up. Yeah. I th- going back to the Spurs game really quick though. Did you find the last like three minutes of that game that the Spurs like completely were just like anti-pop and just chucking up threes the entire like last three minutes? I was kind of shocked. And pop, pop looked like he was about to have a stroke every time Devin Vassell decided to shoot a contested three. Yeah, I saw that and I was thinking this is not Spurs basketball in the slightest. And I, do you think that was like something that maybe a spur of the moment kind of thing for Vassal or do you think that was part of the game plan? I just felt like they kind of gave up when the ball was out of Murray's hands. I didn't feel like there was much ball movement in the last three minutes for them. I felt like they were really overwhelmed by the perimeter presence of our seven footers because it seemed like every three point shot that was taken was over Allen or Mobley or Lori. It was just, I, I was shocked, especially coming into it, knowing they're like the second least three point attempted team in the league. And then they just decide in their closing minutes, it's like, you know what, why don't we just only shoot the threes? They'll never see it coming. And the only one that actually went in was Murray's when I was like, Oh my God, are, is this actually going to happen? <laughs> Yeah, it was. I mean, the Cavs and Spurs both had trouble scoring in the final few minutes of the game, but the Spurs in particular just kind of, like you said, they abandoned uh, abandoned all semblances of their game plan towards the end of the game. I mean, a couple of key statistics um, before we head out of here: they had 15 turnovers tonight to the Cavs nine. So that you you love to see that anytime you can keep mm-hmm. turnovers under double digits. Um, <laughs> it's something crazy, dude. They committed 24 fouls. The Cleveland's 13. And, and we didn't take advantage of that either. That was terrible foul shooting today. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> we put out <laughs> the positives here. We put out the positive, but no, nah, I'm just kidding. 58% from the free throw line. That's 14 and 24. That is, that's just bad. Any against a good team. This is, that's a loss probably. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, and I cannot understate, well, overstate that em- enough. So the rebounding battle was pretty even in this one. It didn't really make too big of a difference, but the Cavs were just really able to take advantage of what the Spurs gave them. You know, they took what the defense gave them. So I, I cannot be mad at this effort tonight. Um, Got to see a couple of things cleaned up. Definitely have to see those free throws cleaned up. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if JB had all these guys taking free throw line shots at practice. Maybe just, you know, have them play a knockout if it really gets their blood flowing, you know? <laughs> just keep I'm, it fun, I don't know JB. about you, but I'm terrible. I'm terrible at knockout. <laughs> I, 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 I only do well after my free throw misses. <laughs> that I just panic, and for some reason, that's when my uh, shots go in. Yeah, it's motivation. Uh, with that being said, we are going to go ahead and close out today's episode. As always, if you would like to reach out to us, you can at it's Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. Have a good one.